0: on the Off the Crossbar podcast. The Colorado Mammoths win games two and three and are your new NLL champions. Zed Williams from Colorado will stop by to talk about the crazy season that was. Plus John Abbott from TSN, another round of box bets and the MSL is going to play some games. All that more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League action. Matthews,
1: quick stick. What? What? setting it up. Zed Williams shoots, scores! 24 seconds in and Colorado has arrived in game three. We're up top, takes a look. Now to Dane Smith. Smith shoots, scores! And he brings Banditland back to life with a tying goal. Johnson tight for Josh Burr and the Bandits have a lead. And they set up for another. Right down Main Street, Sam Burr has once again given Colorado the lead.
2: Get that ball. We don't see the flag thrown by Coach Tavares.
1: At the side, you can't! A quick stick working to tie it up again for Buffalo. A bump to the floor again. Right into the back of the net. What a transition goal for Anthony Jokic. Dean Smith. He's over quick stick. Scores. Connor Fields up the fourth, and the Bandits tie it up. Jen Williams delivers the hat-trick goal, and the Mammoth back up by one. Wardle takes it, leaps, scores! Wow, from Wardle. Mammoth trying to ice it. Williams scores! Seth Williams will allow the Mammoth to celebrate Colorado. Underdogs no more. They win game three in Buffalo, and the Mammoth are 2022 NLL champions.
0: It is over, it is done with, and the National Lacrosse League champions have been crowned. The Colorado Mammoth win games two and three, including game three on the road in Buffalo in front of 19,000 people in Bennettland. They hold on, they win out, and they are your 2022 champions. Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. He is Pat Gregoire. You can find him on Twitter at Pete Greggy. I am at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast. And of course, you can find us on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Well, Patty, you were there. It was madness. It was magical. I watched it from my couch. What a way to end the 2022 season.
2: 19,000 and change, man. Like, that is... Exactly what the NLL needed. That is exactly the entire finals, quite frankly, uh, because the loud house. We talked about it at nauseum last week. How awesome that was! But then you go into a sellout crowd. They were loud. Like I, I couldn't tell because the headphones do a really good job cutting down <laughs> a lot of the the arena noise. But during halftime, I, I went through and was watching back one of the highlights, and I heard what everyone else was hearing and i was like oh my god this place (laughs) is madness yeah it's absolute madness but you could feel it um it was great of course i think the storybook finish for the league and for everyone not a colorado mammoth fan or player or family or friend was for the hometown team to get a win but what an unbelievable story this Mammoth team is. The yeah. whole season, just when they're down, you think they're out, and they claw their way back. You think back to those two Vancouver games. You think back to Ryan Lee at the start of playoffs, a non-contact injury, you, you know, against San Diego. They show him with a, a, a knee brace on. Um, And then Eli McLaughlin, we find out he's out. But every time you think this team was done, everyone except for that team had doubts, but they pulled through. Kudos to Dylan Ward. An unbelievable performance between the pipes. That defense was great. The offense, everyone stepped up. A star is born in Zeddy Williams, but the coaching staff, Pat Coyle, Andrew McBride, the mad scientist, uh, Bishop, what a great job he did. Um, just from top to bottom, that organization, uh, it was a great, great way to finish a wild season for the Mammoth.
0: Yeah, I, I think, you know, we talked to Dylan Ward earlier in the season. We talked to him right before game three. And, and, you know, the story was in years past, the defense was always the backbone. If they held teams to 10, under 10, maybe 12, their offense could sustain it. But this year the defense didn't have to be as good because Mm -hmm. their offense could put up 14, 15, 16 goals a night. And the fact that they had to go back to old reliable for games two and games three after losing Lee and after losing Eli and their defense really stepped up, forced the hand of the Buffalo shooters, gave them nothing easy uh, would just goes to show how talented this group really was because at the biggest stage, the old cliche, defense wins championships. And at the end of the day, the Colorado Mammoth defense was the difference in that series. Dylan Ward making 55 saves in game three. I believe that's an NLL finals record for most yeah. saves in a single game. He was just absolutely incredible. You met Ed Williams. We'll hear from him a little bit on what this championship means to him, but he was just absolutely phenomenal. But then you go down the, the roster, right? Chris Worrell, what do you have? Like one in six in that game? Yeah, he was uh, or one in five. Uh, McIntyre stepped up. Sammy Firth gets his first in the NLL. Uh, but their depth really shone through. As much as we pray, just praised the defense, they needed that offensive depth. And conversely, the depth of the Bandits was shut out. Mm -hmm. Nanticoke and Fraser had no goals after game one. And those are guys that are energy guys that get that team going and they had nothing. And so Colorado did an incredible job, just not letting anybody other than Dane or Josh really beat them. And I, you have to tip your hat to Pat Coyle and his coaching staff and, and Brad self for really orchestrating a well executed game plan after that game one and game one, they were in it too. You know, they they lose right at the end there. So just an unbelievable season. And you mentioned it. There were times throughout that year where it could have gone incredibly wrong. The Mm -hmm. Vancouver games um, specifically. But this group always found a way to battle back, keep their composure, not let any moment get too big. And at the end of the day, it all comes to plan and they finally get a championship after quite a long time 20 sorry 2006 yeah. was their last time winning a title it was in buffalo and, and they do it again and they beat buffalo what three of five times this year that they played them uh the only team really have their number and, yeah. and what an incredible job at the end of the day they are your nll champions
2: and i want to go back to a name you just mentioned and i don't think they get nearly the love they should brad self i think there's a lot of people that wish they could maybe go back with their gm of the year ballot and and scribble his name on there i know he was he was on mine um but what an unbelievable job he did molding this team Mm -hmm. um you think about the zed williams trade you think about bringing in a guy like tyson gibson you think about Anthony Joachim, you think of obviously Andrew McBride had a big part of it as well, but drafting a lot of those Alberta flavors Mm -hmm. uh, in their roster. Like he just did such a good job quietly putting together a great roster while still keeping that core intact. Because you and I know uh, sometimes when you bring in more pieces and you start to quote unquote rock the boat, um, it can kind of ruffle feathers but obviously with the insulation that this leadership group has and that the coaching staff has in the core. Oh, I didn't even mention Connor Robinson.
0: Yeah, exactly. I was going to bring him up.
2: Like a a 40-burger in the regular season was unbelievable. Uh, All playoffs long, uh, you know, no goals for him in the finals, but he was still a factor getting shots on net grabbing loose balls. Like he figured, okay, my shot's not sinking tonight, So he was out there doing other things. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is just a team that they, they just got it done and there was no way they weren't losing. Uh Once, I guess you could say pretty much that third quarter where they took over the game in, in, in game two. And you could even say maybe that, that buzzer beater that Robinson scored yeah. at halftime that really jolted the belief in that mm-hmm. locker room that they could get it done.
0: NLLshop.com and Fanatics.ca is where you can get licensed, certified NLL championship gear for all of you myth fans out there. And of course, you can buy team gear from all the other national lacrosse teams. teams. NLLshop.com or Fanatics.ca. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, we kind of talked about it. The Mammoth defense rising up in the finals when they needed it. Uh, just an incred- incredible performance from Robert Hope, J- Joey Capito, Johnny Lentz, Carnegie, Gillis, Sullivan, Jokum, down the line, everybody contributed, whether it was block shots, loose balls. Warren Jeffrey was a black hole yeah. on that side, just l- shutting guys down and not giving them any space. And just an absolutely phenomenal job by Andy McBride in that defensive unit. You know, predicated by what Dylan Ward likes to play in his style, and, and they found a system that works, and they completely stifled that Buffalo Bandits offense.
2: Uh, I'll go to my thumbs up because I if if I get going on on that defense, and, and <laughs> you mentioned Warren Jeffrey, like I I, I won't stop, so yeah. I won't start, so I I, I can uh, control myself. Uh, but I'm gonna go to another mammoth, and and you mentioned his name, Sam Firth, scoring his first nll goal it couldn't come out a bigger time in his second game his name's called upon when eli uh mclaughlin goes down in game two he didn't score in in game two but he was around the net he was getting shots on net he was getting loose balls really just you know being a depth piece right well he starts to get really comfortable scores a beautiful goal and it really helped elevate colorado uh to to continue on their run and continue the offense to click and this is a guy that has had a very unorthodox uh you know road to the national lacrosse league played the majority of his junior career in nepean where he was a nightmare to coach against i'll be quite honest uh you know like about 350 points in junior B, but he also played some time with the Northmen in Orangeville, winning a Minto cup, being a, you know, a big piece uh, as an unaffiliated AP with them Uh, went to Bishop's university in Quebec, lit it up in Kufla lacrosse, and then just kind of slowly found his way onto that mammoth roster. Never got a chance to get in the lineup, but obviously that coaching staff, that management liked what they saw with Firth to keep him on that practice roster all yeah. year long. They were not allowing him not to fall out of their hands. And luckily they didn't, because if maybe they let him go and a team out of the playoffs would have picked them up, you ne- you don't have that moment where Firth scores his first goal in an NL finals. So uh, kudos to to Sam Firth. Another Ottawa region, another capital lacrosse product uh, that's doing big things in the National League. Uh, Your thumbs down? Thumbs down, and I'm allowed to say this because I (laughs) am a Buffalo sports fan when it comes to the Buffalo Bills, Mm -hmm. but I'm giving a thumbs down to the heartbreak continuing for Buffalo sports fans. Mm -hmm. Wide right, crease, (laughs) I don't know what you're going to call this one, but again, you know, they lose in, in, in 2019. They, they lose now here. They lost a couple of years before that with maybe not the same core with, you know, some players um, playing on that team. But this 2019 team to, to the, the team this year in 2020, virtually almost the same. Obviously mm-hmm. a couple of pieces here and there. But the distraught you could see on the players on the floor, and even the, the fans, yes, they started the Let's Go Buffalo chant, uh, which was awesome that they would still show their support. But you yeah. look up in the stands, there was fans that waited around, and I don't know if it's because they wanted to see the trophy or they just couldn't believe that this happened again. And and JT talked about it uh, multiple times. He, he mentioned it on this program. He mentioned it in, in pregame media availability, postgame media availability, mentioned it. On Lax class, he said one of his biggest regrets as a player is not winning more championships in Buffalo, going to the finals and not being able to get it done. And he does it again in 2019. They're not able to get it. He said, I want to make our finals percentage better. And he did everything he could. And I think their team left everything on the floor. They just ran into a hot Colorado team, a hot goalie, a team that, Ultimately, I think, wanted it more. And the worst part about this for Western New York sports fans, especially these these passionate Bandits fans, I talked to a bunch after the game, and they could not believe that it was a Western New York product just down the highway, Zed Williams, (laughs) who were the ones to crush their hearts. I feel for you, Buffalo. But my thumb's down right now, but it will be going up because look at the roster you have. Look at the coaching staff you have. This team's going to be back. They're they're, going to be back.
0: They'll lose one player in the expansion draft. They may lose an odd player here and there in free agency. But yes, this Buffalo Bandits team will be even more fired up to get back onto the floor next season to kick things off. But you mentioned it from Silver Creek, New York, just down the road, Zed Williams. I honestly thought, that they were going to give him MVP of the playoffs just because of how good he was for this team the entire postseason. But I can obviously understand how they give it to Dylan Ward and what he did especially in those final two games. But Zed Williams was a beast, and he is our guest first up right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Now joined by the man who has won championships in the last two seasons of the PLL and the NLL. You know him as Zeddy Ballgames, Zedzilla. from am Ed Williams. How are you, my man? Good. How are you
3: guys doing? Uh,
0: We are great. Uh, We were talking before we kind of started recording. We just kind of asked you, you know, are you giving the body some rest? But you're already fired up to go right to the PLL this weekend.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean... um... I love playing the cross. I uh, gave my, I had my fun, you know, on Saturday. And now it's time to move on and, you know, just try to get ready to play field lacrosse. It's a, it's a, it's a good crossover, you know. Box and field are such different, and uh, just trying to get my mind right for that.
0: Let's go back to to before the season started, and you get traded from Georgia to Colorado. Was there a bit of an adjustment for you? In going from from them to the mammoth and and new players new systems new coaching staff how was the adjustment for you
3: yeah i mean i think it's an always it's always an adjustment every team i go to because like just me personally uh i'm just kind of a different guy when it comes to building a relationship with and uh, it takes me a while, you know, I've always been like this since I went as high school, uh, moving on to college, I was quiet, but like, uh, going to college really helped me come out of my shell and find out who I am and stuff. So, but still though, to this day, like it just, it takes me a while to build a relationship with, you know, players and new people and get comfortable and, and build, rebuild my confidence. But, you know, I've done this my whole life and, I always adapted to whatever situation I am. So that's why I always believe in myself and um, whatever situation I'm thrown in, I know I'll adapt to it. It just takes a little time.
0: Who are some of the guys that, that really you leaned on to help build those relationships? Obviously Eli and, and and Ryan Lee are a huge part of your offenses, but was there one or two guys maybe more specifically in the locker room that you kind of bonded with
3: quicker than others? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the whole, I really enjoy our whole team. You know, I love everything about everyone. They're all great, great people and great teammates. And uh, yeah, I mean, just, just being around, you know, I know we're around yeah. each other on the weekend, but like just being around, it takes time to really know each other personally. Um, Like what's going off off and on the floor, you know, and like little, you know, bond, like going out for lunch, like that stuff adds up. And, you know, you start to learn more and more about each other and, and you, like I said, you build that relationship with each other, just kind of you know, I like to pride myself in being a loyal guy, but um, and and it, but it takes time, you know, to, to build that loyalty. And um, that this is Abby, this is my youngest daughter. Oh, nice, <laughs> awesome, and she's wild too. <laughs> <laughs> she's yeah. trying to make me read her biscuit. <laughs> is
0: that your favorite
3: book hers yeah yeah
2: that's awesome now you mentioned that uh, obviously faced a lot of adversity throughout the year not just you know when eli and lee go down in the postseason but it just seemed like you guys it didn't matter what was thrown your way whether it's in a game uh, through a stretch of a season you guys never wavered you always had the confidence What would you guys Contribute that confidence in each other. And
3: Uh, I think it's the leadership team, the coaches, and, you know, the coaches believing in each and every single one of our players. And you know, the, the leaders of our team, Scott Carnegie and, you know, John Lentz and you know, the dudes in the locker room, like they just lead by example and they believe in you. And when, when you believe in someone, you know, it just rubs off, builds their confidence. And like, you just, you just play to, you know, um, a higher standard. And you know, it's it's crazy how lacrosse works, and just kind of crazy how you know a little bit of belief and trust from your teammates and your friends can bring your play up. Uh,
0: when when obviously when Ryan Lee goes down, it's a huge loss, but it's it's next man up, and it's it's you know Brett McIntyre. When Eli goes down, it's next man up, and it's Sam Firth. But what changes do you think you guys adjusted and made after game one? to make you guys so successful in the final two games of that series.
3: Uh the Buffalo game, the Buffalo Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think you know to be honest our defense like mm-hmm. played out our goalie played lights out those especially those last two games and like so you look at the first game, those are the most goals we, our offense put up, right? And, like, you take away Eli and, like, you know, Ryan, of course, we're not going to put up the same amount of numbers, but, like, our defense really, really stepped up. Goalie really, really stepped up, and, and like, Sam Firth and B-Mag really stepped up. But, like, it's just that mentality of, like, we don't know what's going to happen, but we're just going to go and work hard every possession, and we're going to give everything we have. and. And we're all pulling in the same way. You know, we're all climbing that mountain together to to accomplish a goal, and it's going to be worth it at the end. So that was kind of our mindset.
2: You guys did just that, win two straight. You win away from the Loud House. But it was a bit of a home game for you, just down the road for you live, where you grew up. How special was it for you to be able to raise the NLL Cup, in front of fans, in front of family, having Danny on the floor out there with you as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, like, you train to win a championship, and, like, you train all year, you work hard to win a championship, everything you have to win a championship. But I could have never, you know, imagined or dreamed of it happening that way. You know, like, it's kind of unreal the way it turned out and the way that happened. Like, I never, like, going into the game and stuff, like, you don't know if you're going to win or lose. You just hope, you know, you win and you play as hard as best as you can. And, like, you let everything fall. But, like, it's just the way it turned out was so unreal because I could never imagine that. You know, even dating back years of training and stuff, like you trained, like you said, to win a championship. But you don't know how it's going to happen. So I never imagined of it happening like that. So it was really
0: uh, a blessing.
3: What do you think your dad would have said to you after that game? Uh, You know, I think. I think about my, like, I'm real honest with myself, you know, after every game and my dad was there when I was a kid growing up all through high school and college. And, uh, he was always real with me. You know, he was never, you know, he, if I played bad, you know, I heard about it. If, um, and you know, when I was younger, you know, I got, uh, it was tough times, whatever things were different, but you know, I got beat up if I had, if I had a bad game or I heard about it and it was just a bad day, you know, or like, uh, if I had a good game, and I made that one play where we lost, and that was the first game, you know. So after the first game, you know, sure I had a good game, but I know my dad would have sniped me in the back of the head and said, "You gave him the game for not running back on defense," you know. So, and that and that like that eats at you. So it's like I never want to disappoint it. I never want to disappoint him. So even now to this day, I still don't ever want to disappoint him. So that first game, like I was, I was really mad at myself for, you know. Allowing that to happen and and it was uphill battle from that. We had to win two in a row and I just know the way him and my mom raised us, all my family, like we were built for challenges and you know that was that was a great challenge and I was I was really focused and I was just really fortunate to 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 make it, I guess.
0: Do you think that's why you went hard in that empty net right at the end, just to kind of solidify
3: things? Uh, to be honest, like I wasn't trying to go to the net. It just, it happened. And then I, I didn't even know the goalie wasn't in there at first until I came out of the two guys. And then I seen McKay trying to hop in now. I was like, Oh, (laughs) that's right in the middle of middle of the play. Yeah.
2: that play there kind of just epitomized the the lacrosse player, the athlete that you are. Um, You can beat guys with skill. You can beat guys with the big frame or your speed. Uh, Were you always one of those players, you know, when you were putting up big numbers with Silver Creek or when you played some junior? Were you always a a, a physical imposing player or is that something that came as you got a little bit older?
3: Uh, I think it's just from growing up playing football, you know, since I could walk, um, wrestled basketball and like not trying to like but it's like my dad was always there so it's like if i didn't sell out in football my body like on on every play like he was mad and like and like he was really tough but like in a good way and yeah and so it's like i remember like you know being a kid and modified or you know little league and like we're up by whatever the game's over and and, you know, I let the guy go on a touchdown, and, you know, I got yelled at for it and and spanked for it because I didn't give everything I had. You know, so I know it's like, especially looking at it when you're older, like, realistically, like, you know, you gotta pick and choose, I guess, when to go hard, but at the same time, like, I try to pride myself on it as much as I can because I know how he is, And, and so, like, I just think that physicality comes from just years of playing football and basketball and like, not, and like not caring what happens to you, I guess. Cause ultimately like if I get hurt, hurt my neck or something, it was always better than facing the consequences when I got home. So I think that's where it comes from. When did
0: this group start to believe was turning point season, some point when you all kind of
3: looked at each other and thought you really had something special in that room? I think the first time when we beat Buffalo in the regular season, mm. I think, you know, Buffalo is really hot and they're, they're, they are, they are they are they were a really talented team, really good, great lacrosse team. they're Wiping through everyone. And I think we, we had a loss or two coming off a loss or two of them, if I'm correctly. And, and, but that Buffalo game was a big game for us because we needed it. Uh, we were fighting to make the playoffs still in the West. And I think, you know, we had a big challenge ahead of us with the Buffalo team coming in to town. So I think after we won that game, like I think we all realized, like, you know, we're there, we're right there at the top, at the top, and we can do this if we keep, you know, working hard and putting our best foot forward and going, going in the same direction together.
2: I know you already referenced how well you, the defense and and Dylan Ward played in in Game Two and Game Three, but how inspiring is that for you guys as an offense? Where sometimes you'll go through. Those spurts throughout the game, and you're not able to, to to find the back of the net, but your defense and goaltender have kept you in the game. And then the third corner, when you guys finally explode, and it seemed like you guys did that all playoff playoffs long, and maybe even in the regular season long. How much did that allow you guys to take your time and not panic because you knew your defense or your goalie were ready to keep you in the games?
3: Yeah, I mean it's huge to know and but your amazing and your goalie's is amazing and like they're gonna make stops right it comes to a point in a game right and you can feel it it's like all right you know we got to help them out we got to do something you know what I mean we got to take a little bit of pressure out of these because these guys are playing lights out so let's go out you know put something good together and, and help them out a little bit so but it's huge like you know every even throughout the playoffs like it rubs off on you like Dylan makes a huge save or or you know John Lynch or one of the defenders make a tough ground ball play and, and come out of there and clear it. it's like it gets you going, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's an emotional, especially in playoff time, it's really emotional um, plays and like those emotional plays and those hard, gritty plays, like really rub off in the rest of the team.
0: A PLL title, an NLL title. Uh, has this been one of the best sort of calendar years of your career and how much fun has it been for you?
3: Uh, I, It's just, you know, I love lacrosse. I love playing, but it gets me. I'm very fortunate to play and, you know, um, pretty much be stay home, dad, and my daughters. Uh, the past, you know, four or five years. So, I know, you know, win or lose, I'm very blessed. You know, it's just, it's just unreal. I know I'm gonna miss this time when, you know, when my kids are older and I'm done playing. So, I, I really try to enjoy these moments that I have, and, and and like I said, I just, I really enjoy what lacrosse brings us, and, and I really enjoy playing a message to young indigenous
0: kids whether they're athletes or not um that are, are looking to kind of further themselves and better themselves
3: yeah i mean to be honest you know uh I, i've learned a lot you know especially going through college and being coached by don starja you know who's just a great human being and like he always had a message is like you know you have a lot to be thankful for and like every day that's true you know because someone's always out there who has it worse than you, you know, no no matter what kind of day you're having or, you know, like the finer things in life. Like, I try not to take anyone for granted. I know it's hard at times, you know, but, um, to be honest, like you just, every day is such a blessing. And like, I know so, so many tragic things happen to, you know, people I know back home and, and, uh, and really everyone, you know, tragic things happen. And, you know, I just, my, my heart is broken, especially my my childhood friend who just lost his wife, you know, um, last weekend. Uh, it's just kind of, you, you take a step back and you just realize how lucky and fortunate you are. But at the same time, like, you know, you continue to work hard and and, and you continue to grind no matter what pro- pro- profession you're in. I, I feel like I'm an honest believer that hard work pays off, And know, that, that's what I was always told, you know, so... So I honestly believe in that. And, and I just think, you know, for all kids in general, like it's just, you know, staying positive and continue to work hard, and, you know, eventually you will kind of enjoy, enjoy it, you know, with all the much uh, needed
0: attention brought to residential schools and, and the countless murdered and missing indigenous women across Canada, are we doing enough as a society to be better
3: uh, in the lacrosse world? Yeah. Uh, I, I I believe so. I mean to be honest um, in the PLL and all you know everyone I come through in lacrosse college everyone has always been good to me and great to me and um, mm-hmm. and, and like there's a lot of great human beings in the, in the lacrosse world and, and everyone is really you know standing up and sticking up and talking about it so I think that's you know really important really great but you know, like you said just keep the conversation going you know having these conversations no matter how tough they may be but I think they really go a long way.
0: Zed, we truly appreciate you, my man. Uh, both Patty and I uh, were just thrilled for you and, and obviously for the Mammoth organization, but just your character on and off the floor is absolutely outstanding, my man. You are a, a true gentleman of our sport and, and a great torchbearer for the Creators game. So thanks for your time, man. Congratulations and enjoy the rest of your summer, brother.
3: No, thank you guys. I really appreciate you guys. and You guys are great for the sport and I really appreciate you guys for having me joined now by the other voice that called the final alongside pat and
0: ashley dock it is john abbott from tsn how are you brother i'm great
4: boys i wish the season was still going but what a way to finish
0: (laughs) it it sure was just an absolutely banana lands entire playoffs and the entire season was crazy um let's just do big picture thing what was your favorite moment from the 2022 season oh
4: man it's it's hard to look past the finals to me I I, that's what it would be is getting to call a game in Buffalo and have the bandits win in game one and then getting to call a second game in Buffalo and experience the thrill of seeing a team win the championship so uh that those would be my two favorite moments the ones that just expired on us and boy there's a whole lot throughout the season but getting into Halifax was phenomenal um seeing, you know, getting to Saskatchewan was, was terrific. So, yeah, it's hard to pick just one thing. But probably those two games, games one and three, the finals for me.
2: Yeah, I, I, uh, I was asked the same question when I went on uh, Jake Elliott's podcast this week for uh, Lax Class. And you got to put the finals there. But that overtime winner uh, by Challen Rogers in Hamilton, like I felt like that was like a boom. Hamilton is here to stay. This is a lacrosse hotbed. And you had the call. You were there. It seemed like we were probably in Hamilton the most. Um, And and you've been in Hamilton for AHL games, for OHL games. Do you think that Hamilton is going to be a sustainable lacrosse market with the Toronto Rock?
4: I think so. And, yeah, I mean, how can you look past that one as well? I mean, that's almost as exciting as it gets. And yet we had two last second goals contested as well. So the whole playoffs (laughs) were just, uh, just insane in a good way, but yeah, I think so. I think Hamilton is the sweet spot to be honest with you. Uh, You know, I did, uh, I did get into Toronto as a fan. Uh, I watched some of Dan Dunleavy's calls back in the day with the Toronto rock. And so I, I have a little bit of an idea of what that setting was like. And listen, they were winning championships back in that time. And so they were rolling right along. But to me, the rock feel like big fish, small pond when they're in Hamilton. I think they, I think that's good for a team and for this league. And the fact that the dressing room is set up in a professional manner, that there's no question as to, you know, when they need to move out and get back in and get set for like, it's walk into your rink, walk into your venue and prepare to play that's how it should be it shouldn't be a lot of moving parts a lot of moving pieces and uh and the fans you know they came out and supported the rock in the postseason almost to the extent that bandits fans supported buffalo you know you, you get toronto into the finals you're probably looking at a crowd just a little bit under what what uh, the the terrific group in, in buffalo is being able to put forth so yeah i hope it's i hope it strives because to me it seems like it's set up to
0: Speaking of bandland, had you ever experienced anything like that in your entire broadcasting career?
4: Oh, you know, the, f- the fans of of
0: that, of this sport are so
4: passionate that, you know, I think that puts them in a unique class a little bit. And to do what Buffalo did, you know, not once but twice and go from 15K two weeks later to 19K in the early parts of the summer when listen, you can, you can decide to, you know, have a cold one and watch it in in a bar too, but no, they came out and supported. So really Teddy, not, not quite like that. Not where the support is coming through because this is where they need to be. This is where the team needs them. You know, they take it upon themselves to, to be that extra factor in the game. Didn't turn out uh, much to their disappointment, but that's a pretty special group in Buffalo. Absolutely.
2: It's a special group in Buffalo, but Colorado does the unthinkable wins too straight and they do it without Lee and McLaughlin. When we found out both those guys would be out for the rest of the series, did you honestly believe that the mammoth could win the championship?
4: I guess put me in the class, unfortunately, of having my doubts, <laughs> which, uh, you know, it's something that I think Pat Coyle and his group decided that was going to be part of their MO, is uh, backs against the wall, world-beater style, and boy, did it ever work. You know, speaking with you guys after game one, I did think that that was probably, in my opinion, where they missed a guy like Ryan Lee, and, you know, then you just continue to go down the list, and Eli McLaughlin, as you say, you know, whether going to see him in game three well it turns out it was just the warm-ups of game three and you start thinking well if Buffalo throws everything Buffalo has at Colorado are they going to have enough firepower to answer back well it turns out they had Dylan Ward they had a pretty good defensive scheme and they had some unheralded guys step up uh, led by Zed Williams so yeah serves me right for uh for having any kind of doubt in my mind I guess that they would do it because they made it look uh, pretty amazing and in fine form and i think joy uh, i think capito said it best you know they're not doubting us now <laughs> at the end <laughs> um are you a lacrosse addict now oh 100 yeah i was i came on and even before we were catching up officially you know you have those you have those good vibes just your veins and you don't want to stand. you know I I still play and as strange as that is now I'm counting down the days until next season uh completely falling in love with the sports level uh just doesn't get any better for me you know to be participate in a league with such parody such passion uh to work with great people like both of you you know I think we can all agree that our crews on TSN were uh, so much fun to be a part of and we tried to leave it all out there in our way on the broadcast and uh, and to play a small part in a league that's really surging in my opinion. Yeah, it doesn't get any better than that. So, uh, you can you can sit through all the off-season film, but it's not going to be the same until we get to, you know, week 1 of 22-23 and then we we find out where Vegas sits. So, yeah, sign me up for a fast track in the next season. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, let's 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 fast track a year since you're you're an expert now. You're you're a lacrosse guru now. uh Who's gonna hoist the NLL cup <laughs> in 2023?
4: <laughs> oh goodness, goodness, that is a killer question. I'm right now, as I'm sure both of you are, like I'm going over rosters, wondering where the most change is going to come. To be honest, and yeah. uh, you know, is that Buffalo because of the letdown and they're so close and yet. Um, in, in any sport at the top level, when you can't complete that championship, you start looking at things and it seems inevitable that there are, you know, one, two, three key pieces of a run that got you almost all the way there that aren't there the next year. Uh, Saskatchewan's really interesting to me. Halifax is really interesting to me. Uh, what are those rosters going to look like for the upcoming season? So, boy, hard to, hard to uh, try and select any kind of competitor at this point but uh, i am impressed i will say and this maybe feels like a standard answer but i i'm impressed at how core guys or core groups stay together and i think to me the raw something special going there perhaps this year because uh there's a lot of people counting them out too and and uh boy you know the difference of seconds either way it, it might have been their uh, final to try and win or lose
2: so I'm going to throw another one at you here. And I, I hate to be throwing you under the bus, but also <laughs> at, at the same time, you're the one who's usually on the broadcast asking me the question. So now I'm in the driver's seat, but uh, I'll hold sure. you out here. I know, I know there's one guy that uh, you've gravitated towards a guy like Mitch to um, you You've mentioned it as well. Just a, a great guy to call his game. Is there maybe another one or two guys? I know it's hard to pinpoint that when you get your schedule for TSN, you look that team's there and you say, Oh, I cannot wait to call this guy play
4: lacrosse. You know what, Pat? I love the question. The easy part for me is to say a bunch of names. The hard part is to narrow it down again. Um, yeah, like Lyle Thompson, we were a little bit robbed, right? So, uh, yeah. to be able to get a chance, hopefully, to see him play and call a game, uh, he for those that don't know, he wasn't in the lineup, and we were expecting to have our chance with Georgia. So, uh, to get all the buildup and the pageantry of uh, you know hoping to to get this, this thing, and then uh, you think of. Uh, guy like cody jameson jake withers uh they stand out to me uh when you when you get into breaking the country up for us on tsn and uh regulars uh in the in the east yeah i love watching those guys play uh, i don't know that i don't know that we get to see albany enough with joe rez and and how mm-hmm was but uh here I go on and on and on it's really <laughs> hard to go down and I think that's <laughs> that is good you know that's a that's a testament to the league where right I think we saw that play out for the most part where you can't as best you can when you're sizing things up almost any team is capable of of winning on a nightly basis which is awesome hmm
0: uh, so what's next for John Abbott? Uh, you were doing uh, Ontario finals, Memorial cup, NLL finals. Uh, the summer is upon us, but uh, what's next on your docket? Teddy, if we had more air miles, it would be great to do it in BC, but
4: uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, ho- I'm hoping to see if I can take some money off Pat. Oh, I'm not so sure that's going to be the case, uh, <laughs> but yeah, get a, get a little bit of time in before, uh, before we get back to the, the grind. But at this point, it, it's kind of, engulfing myself as much as I can with uh, the two sports that I see most that's hockey and uh, lacrosse. And uh, you know, whether it's a, a man cup visit, whether it's uh, you know, getting down to the track, you know, it'll, it'll try to be setting myself up in the best possible way for another lacrosse season, another hockey season. And you know, we all live and breathe the game. We all love uh, the positions that we're fortunate to be in. And so when you see those things on a schedule, it's actually a joy as opposed to quote unquote work. So uh, trying, yeah, trying to fill my boots along the way here. And uh, hopefully we can see the Ironheads play as well. (laughs)
2: Let's go roll heads, baby. Let's go. (laughs) Uh,
0: Johnny, you have a year under your belt in the National Lacrosse League. Uh, It was absolutely uh, an honor to have you as part of the family. You call an incredible game. You do incredible work for TSN. Uh, Thanks for all of the great calls this year. And thanks for giving us some time, man.
4: Oh, guys, it's my pleasure. Uh, I love love catching up with you. I wish we could do it more often. And uh, thanks for thanks for making me feel like part of the family. It was a special year in a, in a lot of ways for me. And uh, just as we, I'll, I'll finish as we started. Cannot wait for next
0: year, boys. Let's go. All right, that's Zed Williams and John Abbott. Obviously, John was on the call along with Pat. But let's go back to Zed Williams and. When you think about this young man and when he came into the National Lacrosse League out of UVA and he's a part of that Georgia Swarm team and he was behind Lyle and Miles and Heine and and Matisse at the time, you know, there was a lot of people kind of surrounding him that that he didn't have to be the guy. And he gets flipped over to Colorado and he still doesn't really have to be the guy, but they bring him in to have a much more prominent role. And then obviously the injury to Lee and then the injury to Eli just magnified the stage for him to continually step up. And we watched it in the PLL championship game last summer. We watched it throughout the playoffs this year to just see him take his game to another level. That is everything you want from one of your leaders. And I just am so enthralled when I watch him play of the passion he plays with the love of the game that he plays with. If you ever watch him during games, you will always see him, you know, kissing his stick, kissing the shaft, kissing his glove, always saying thank you to the creator. And thank you to his father who helped him get into this game. It is just an incredible story. And I am just so incredibly happy for him that he was able to get this done.
2: He's exactly what you want in a ambassador for the game. Um, he, he exudes what the creators game's all about it means so much to him and you can see that it, that it does mean so much uh to him he's a, he's a family man when he talks about his kids and his father and that's one thing that really spoke to me talking to pat coyle before game three he said that you know he is so spiritual and he and he loves his family so much. And he mentioned the same thing that, that he told us about how it takes him a little bit of time to get comfortable on and off the floor. And he's, and and Coyle said there was a point where, you know, they were thinking like, man, this is not the Zed that, that we, you know, envisioned and trading for. And, and Zed was quite honest with him. He said, I just, I, it's going to come. It's going to come. Mm-hmm. And boy, oh boy, it came And it came with a massive exclamation mark. And, and Coyle said it was from the moment and he goes, I can't pinpoint when it was, but it was the moment that he started embracing his teammates as his brothers. And when he really started to feel comfortable with them, that's when he started to play his best. And he said, Lee going down might have been the best thing for him because he took it so personal. He was so distraught that Mm -hmm. they were going to be without Lee and that one of his teammates and one of his brothers was injured and he did everything in his power to make sure that they were going to win a championship and not allow Ryan Lee to be on the sidelines watching another team win. And then you throw in the mix with Eli. So he's such a special talent. Um, But I think what speaks more volumes is the character uh, Mm. that he's all about off the floor, but you want to talk about him on the floor, man. Like I think I've, I waxed poetically enough about how, how much he is uh, just a, a nightmare when covering him because he's too big. Like he was blowing through Steve Priolo, like who's a big body and who is athletic. Then you try to match with speed with a guy like Ian McKay. Well, He's just going to blow past him as well. And even Mm. when you do get a defender that, you know, is able to match him with his feet or match him with his size, he has that one split second where he can just create enough separation that you're playing perfect D, but he gets his hand free. And next thing you know, it's in the back of
0: the net. Yeah. It's it's like the first shot of the game, you know, he takes the ball from behind the net and just kind of casually moves up floor and he just needs, like two extra degrees to turn his hips and release that shot and catch Vino off guard. Like his release is probably one of the fastest yes. and most accurate in the national crossing. He can do it from anywhere. He can do it standing on the run. Um, but just, he is going to be a star in our league for many, many years to come. And uh, like you said, an incredible ambassador as well. I'm so happy for the Colorado mammoth. Like I would have been thrilled for the Buffalo bandits. Cause I have a lot of, you know peers and, and friends on that org- in that organization, mm-hmm. but obviously having been with Colorado for four years before the pandemic, traveling with those guys, traveling with Chris Wardle, and being out and about with that group, uh, it just it was a very happy moment, and I'm so happy for Matt Hutchins, uh, the CEO of Cronky Sports, the governor for the Mammoth, and and Brad Self and and James Eunice and Joey behind the bench, and Joel Rather and everybody within that organization, the coaching staff, the players, you could just see how much it meant to those guys. Uh, and I couldn't be happy for that group. It was just an incredible end to a season, a very storybook type ending uh, to what was an absolutely phenomenal national lacrosse league season after, you know, nearly two and a half months off of, or two and a half years off of the, from the pandemic to have this kind of season to play literally every game except one that was scheduled. The only game that wasn't played was game three of Bandit and Rock. But other than that, it was a phenomenal season start to finish. We still have a lot to go, though. Uh, NLL mm-hmm. announced their award finalists for the 2022 season. Um, should we start with the big one or should we start with the other, other big one?
2: Let's start with the big one,
0: the MVP. All right, the big one, uh, MVP, Joey Rez from the Albany Firewolves, Dane Smith, and Matt Vince from the Buffalo Bandits. I am still on the train that without Dane Smith, the Bandits are still a really good team, but without Matt Vince, they are a team struggling to find wins, and I feel that he is the MVP, but my gut tells me that after the season that Dane Smith had, that he will win it.
2: This is is pure justification Teddy you should be on the top of the highest mountain singing <laughs> your praises because this is proof that there needs to be a most outstanding or a most offensive player or best offensive player because how do you have two players from the same team right. nominated for MVP that kind of yeah. defeats the purpose of the 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 name most valuable so I agree with you, um, but I just have a hard time. Like, Dane Smith was just a couple of points away from breaking his own record. How does he not win that award? Well, again, let's look at the actual definition of most valuable player. So my big takeaway from that award is that I think we have now have justification for adding another trophy to the mix.
0: All right. Uh, rookie of the year, Reed Bowering, Patrick Dodds, Jeff Teat. I think everyone is in the Jeff Teat camp. wouldn't surprise me if Bowering wins this just for his body of work all year long. But again, numbers and stats often rule, especially when it comes from a rookie forward, that Jeff Teat will probably win this. But if people look at everything that Reed Bowering did for Vancouver considering he was probably their MVP contender mm-hmm. that he should definitely be up there and I don't I think it'll be closer than a lot of people think
2: I I I just think when you look at the it's tough because when you look at the impact that Reed Bowering had on his team it's it's hard to to argue against but what Jeff T did this year in his first season as a pro, like,
0: and he doesn't miss two game.
2: That's what I mean. If he doesn't miss the two games, we might be talking about him being in that conversation for MVP. Yep. So for me, it's tough. I think every, any other year, um, Reed Bowring's probably winning this award and, yeah. and let's not. And I know you're, you're not ever going to not praise this guy, but even Patrick Dodds, man, like if there wasn't two generational talents in the same rookie class. Yeah. Like Patrick Dodds is probably running away with this award. Mm-hmm. I think this is probably the best rookie of the year class we've seen in, in many years, maybe ever.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I can, I, I can see that. Uh, goalie of the year. I think this might be maybe one of the hardest ones to decide and pick out of Nick Rose, Matt Vince, Dylan Moore. I think this
2: one is an award that if it was voted after the playoffs, I think we may be having a different winner, but just based on the fact that Matt Vince had enough votes to get him into the MVP conversation, I'm Mm going to go ahead and assume that most people had him near the top of their goaltender of the year ballot. But again, uh, Nick Rose, what he was able to do with the Toronto rock Uh, probably from start to finish was the most consistent. Didn't have really an up or a down maybe at the start of the year, but once he hit his stride, he was great. Dylan Ward. I I mean, he's obviously making a case that he is the best goalie in the world, world, right? So all three of these guys, I think if either of them won it, I wouldn't stick my nose up at it. They're all very, very well deserving.
0: Rosie led the league in goals against Vino was third Vino had 14 wins. Vino was second in minutes played. Rosie was fourth. And Vino led the league in save percentage. Ward was second. Rose was third. So take your pick. All three were outstanding. so damn close. I I agree with you. If you're going to give a guy MVP votes, he should probably get goalie of the year votes as well. But you just never know when it comes down to it who the voters will feel was the better transition player of the year. This one is another maybe difficult one, but I think we all know who it's going to go to. Bowering again from the Warriors, Chown Rogers from the rock and Zach courier from the roughnecks who was just an absolute magnet on loose balls. He probably wins this, but again, Eastern bias maybe might give Chown Rogers some extra votes, but it probably should be courier, right? I just
2: when you look at, at the traditional defensive stats that Curry was putting up with his his cause turnovers and his loose balls um he he was you know he he was a lot of talk uh for for even MVP. Uh, I was kind of surprised we didn't see him in the top 3 there for most valuable player but um his body work was impressive. Challen Rogers uh I think he was more of not the traditional transition player where, you know, playing defense, pushing the ball up the floor uh, and, and getting scoring opportunities there. There were some games where he was going out the odor playing a majority yeah. of an offensive shift. So uh, maybe a more all around game for, for Challen Rogers. But from what we saw from Courier, I think he's probably going to get it. And we've seen Rogers win this award already uh, two years in a row. Yeah. But Bowering again, it stinks what an unbelievable year he had in his first season he's nominated for transition player of the year and he's probably going to come up empty-handed but preach to the choir how many times has Zach courier been in this situation and Challen rogers has edged him
0: out courier 237 loose balls like what
2: like what are we like are you kidding me how is that possible how is that possible
0: Um, uh defender of the year Priolo from the bandits Rubish from the rush Mitch just from the rock Priolo has been here numerous times and come up empty-handed mostly due to Kyle Rubish Mitch DeSnoo is in there and I think a lot of people feel that he is going to be the favorite to win this year ahead of two guys who are perennially always there
2: yeah I I obviously got to see him quite a bit up close and personal um just what he was able to do. And I think that's probably going to give him the edge. He's on a new team. He was so much better than what we've seen in previous years, where Rubish and Priolo, that was just, that's just par for the course. They're always elite. Whereas Mitch Disnew took his game to, to another level. So I think that's where he's going to get the, the edge, but all three of these guys well-deserving. I I had Brad, I'll I'll be honest. I had Brad Cree in my top three as well. Um, He wasn't there, but probably won't be the last time we 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 see his name in that conversation but can't take it away from mitch's new and maybe maybe because disnew uh had such a good year it
0: kind of split some of their votes uh, with three as well uh sportsmanship award these guys had a total of 14 penalty minutes between the three of them (laughs) keegan ball from the warriors dan dawson from the rock and lyle thompson from the swarm Lyle had eight. Keegan had four. Dawson only took one minor all year long and decided to, you know, set records for most assists, most games played in a career. No big deal.
2: No big deal indeed. And this has slowly become the Lyle Thompson Award. It seems like every year he wins, but wouldn't it be nice for Dan Dawson with everything that he accomplished this year? Mm-hmm. It's like a, almost like a lifetime achievement award. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I could see him go, but then again, like Keegan ball, like the, I don't know if there's one person that's ever said a bad word about that guy either. So no. all three guys, very
0: well-deserving. Uh, teammate of the year, Zach courier of the Roughnecks, Jeff Shatler from the rush and Jeremy Thompson from PCLC. Uh, again probably not a bad word said about these three guys either um I, this is a tough one much like this the sportsmanship award and the teammate of the year award this is a, a tough one because it's just kind of it's subjective mm-hmm. there's no real stats to back either of these up okay maybe sportsmanship and how many how few penalties you take but there's no real intangibles of stat wise for teammate of the year it is all just how good of a person you are and a player you are amongst that group. And you could literally give it to any of those three guys. Yeah.
2: And I think the two, and this is no knock on, on Zach courier because uh, you know, he's a guy that you absolutely would run through a brick wall for. He's a guy that leads by example. But when you look at Shatler and Thompson, for me, Shatler, again, similar to Dawson, it's his last year. It's a swung song. Maybe that's a, you know, a, a, a parting gift for his and all career. Mm-hmm. But then you also look at Thompson, a guy that was a huge, huge part of that Panther city lacrosse club team. Like if it's not for his leadership in that locker room, maybe they don't turn things around and go on that crazy run and push them, you know, into uh fighting for a playoff spot. So uh, I do he, agree he, with you, he any he three played guys, power play
0: time with yeah, that group yeah. at different points <laughs> of the season. They just asked him to do a lot and he never said no. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Speaking of Panther City Lacrosse Club, they should most likely have the Les Bartley Award winner for head coach of the year as Tracy Kluski goes up against Matt Sawyer from The Rock and John Tavares from the Bandits. Uh, Sawyer and Tavares, great years leading their teams to, you know, top two spots in the NLL East. But what Tracy Kluski did with that group from day one, sure they struggled at home for a bit. But they finally kind of turned the corner. They always believed in themselves. They always believed in the process, and he had them on the cusp of both playoff bid, you know, for the better part of that second half of the season. And I think he's a hand, he might be one of the few hands down winners.
2: I mean, there's tough. It's real tough to, to argue that. Yeah, Matt Sawyer was great. John Tavares, look what he was able to do. Get ever all those egos to to buy in on the offense like i said with matt sawyer he he did a tremendous job but what tk did with that that expansion group um you could see it you could hear it whenever you talk to guys in that locker room the belief that they had it all starts from the top and and tk did a tremendous job with pclc
0: we'll say with those three clubs as their general managers have all been nominated dowick from the rock dietrich from the bandits and hamley from panther city this is an interesting one obviously dowick made the trades to get jeremy noble made the trade to get mitch to snoo uh dietrich obviously getting to hogan nanakoke the trade for fields the acquisition of uh kyle buchanan and then of course bob hamley and everything did with that brand new franchise down in texas uh this will be a tough call deciding who people feel will win Uh, I had, I think I voted Pat Merrill in our flash awards. He did an incredible job down there in San Diego. Um, We mentioned Brad self and what he did with the Colorado mammoth as that year went along, but these three Mm -hmm. guys all did an incredible job.
2: Yeah. Again, this is another tough one. And I think you could make a case for, for all of them. They all did a really good job, but um, I'm, I may be leaning And not me, myself, but just thinking the way others, the voters maybe Mm -hmm. thought. And I think Hamley being able to turn an expansion team almost into a playoff team, uh, I think certainly is going to help him get some votes there.
0: Executive of the year, Greg Bibb from Panther City, Jamie Dowick from The Rock, and Rich Lisk from the New York Riptide. Again, much of this will be due to outside influences whether it's sponsorships or partnerships or community work um all three guys did incredible jobs in their communities to help grow the game
2: there's no doubt about that um for for me though jamie dowick i i i think what he was able to do in a new market in hamilton Mm -hmm. uh, and things didn't start off on the on the best foot let's be quite honest but what he was able to build in the hammer despite what two or three games being with no fans during the COVID um, limitations that he had in that building to the end of the season, the rabid fan base that they were able to build. um, That seems like a no brainer
0: for me. And then finally the bigger than bigger, big one, the Tom Borelli media person of the year award, Jake Elliott, from Lax Class TSN, ESPN, Vancouver Warriors, Tyson Geik TSN, ESPN, the Thunderbirds and Lacrosse Flash, and our own Pat Gregoire from TSN, ESPN, the Thunderbirds, and right here on this show, my man. Congratulations on the nomination, brother. Very, very well deserved. Thank you, man.
2: I I, I do really appreciate it. It's uh, it's an honor. It's truly a, a privilege to be able to call this game, um, bring it to, to fans across North America and the world, uh, the best league in the world, uh, with, with some tremendous athletes, uh, and and to be acknowledged and, and, uh, nominated for this award alongside two unbelievable broadcasters as well. And Tyson and, and Jake Elliott, what they do to promote the game, um, just happy to see my name beside those guys. And
0: uh, I'm, I'm truly honored. Well, next week we will start to find out the winners. We'll also find out all rookie teams and all pro teams. Um, The winners will be announced over the course of the week of June 27th. So stay tuned to your socials. We'll wrap up much of the awards next week on the show, but we will start to find out who takes the hardware next week. What else we got? Uh, Protected lists are due. Well, this is, we're recording this on a Wednesday, the 22nd. Protected lists are due Thursday, the 23rd. And over at lacrosseflash.com, we have put up our projected protected list and who we think will be taken on July 7th when Sean Williams and the Desert Dogs do their best to create a team off the start. So I suggest you head over there and check out who are some of the names that might be out there who we think will be protected, who we think might not get taken, who we think might get taken. Um, but it's a lot to go down and, and we'll talk about all the protected lists next week. But is there maybe one guy that you can maybe single out from all the teams that you would love to see Sean Williams take? Well,
2: it's hard to narrow one because... I mean, one, there is there is a lot of talent out there. Uh, but two, it's interesting with the goalie situation and, and some of the way the contracts lay out. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of strategy in what some of these teams decide or to do if they do protect a goalie, if they don't. Um, for me, though, I think the one name that jumps out to me, and I, I mean, he might not be exposed. We don't know, but... If chase Fraser um, is exposed for Buffalo uh, and I know he didn't have the best finals, but he is a special, special talent. He's a a guy that I think would, you would love to bring down in market and showcase around. He's Mm -hmm. a guy that is so marketable. And I think there's a ton of potential for him there. And I think having offensive guru mind, like Sean Williams working with him, I think that could be really, really something special, uh, but I'm curious to see where they go in between the pipes.
0: Yeah, and, and that's, that's where going. I'm going to go. That's that's where I'm going to lead. Well, where
2: are you going to go with it?
0: Uh, I would love to see them get Justin Getty of San Diego, Ooh. Uh, a West Coast guy, a kid that has already run uh, one BC Rookie of the Year in the junior leagues. He's probably could be goalie of the year this year in the BC junior league. He's already gotten into a couple WLA games. He's got his first NLL game and win under his belt under tough circumstances. Uh, I just think if, and as, and to your point, San Diego is going to be one of those teams that has a very tough choice of what they do between the pipes. It's crazy. Do they leave Frank Shiliano exposed to protect either Chris Origlieri or Justin Getty? And if they do, which one of those two guys is left exposed. And if it's Getty, I think Vegas jumps at it. If it's a I don't know if they do, with him being a young goalie from Ontario. Obviously, he's living out in San Diego now, so he's willing to relocate and be in market. I just kind of have a feel like Justin Getty has more upside um, to have a longer career in the NLL. But in saying that, that may be a very... Very good reason why Pat Merrill protects him and leaves Frank exposed. Then again, do they take Frank if he's left exposed? So I would love to see them get Justin Getty. I think he'd be a great fit for them. But again, who knows what Patrick Merrill is going to do? Who knows what other teams are going to do? But again, those lists are all due on the 23rd of June. The expansion draft goes on the 7th of July. So next week we will break down all of the protected rosters and we might have a better idea of who the desert dogs may take. Last week on Box Bets, we went a perfect three for three. The parlay hit big. Can we do it again this week? Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props across the NLL. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly.
1: <laughs> hey we're having a good day lads and
2: uh we're still in the mix baby <laughs> all
4: right patty
0: boss bets last week we uh we crushed it the under 23 and a half, mammoth plus 105 and Ian over 0.5 goals it was a good day for the boys Let's see if we can do it again
2: it was a good day. It was a great day. And we're going to try to keep these positive vibes rolling into the PLL. And I'll be honest, Teddy, I've I've been watching a bit of the PLL. Um, yeah. It's been awesome here north of the border. TSN has been showing a ton of games. Absolutely. With that being said, pretty dialed into the NLL finals. So I hadn't been able to really, really... Sink my teeth in from a gambling standpoint, yeah. A couple of sprinkles here and there at Cool Bet, but nothing serious. But now that the NLL is behind us, the PLL is the only lacrosse on the board right now, so we're gonna start things off. It's, 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 we're gonna go a little bit slower, it's yeah. not gonna be a Here's huge, and our feet wet exactly, you know, wet the beak. So we're gonna go with the Whip Snakes and the Chrome on the money line, they're both favorites, but the Chrome. You, you got to love Sudo's team. He, they're a hard nose, uh, grindy team that has a lot of Canadians on them. And the Whip Snakes. we just had Zeddy, Zeddy Ball game up. There's no way we're betting against him. No. He said he's playing. The guy loves playing lacrosse. He's not taking any time off. He told us, well, I had a few ga- few days off to get rested. Well, there you go. Yeah. We're backing those two teams. And then two offensive juggernauts in the Archers and the Atlas over 24 and a half put that all together exclusively at Coolbet it pays plus 425
0: absolutely love that uh the PLL schedule for week 4 whip snakes and redwoods chaos dogs cannons chrome archers atlas i think a lot of people will be watching that chaos chrome game It's the bandits they get their, They're those guys back in that roster for the chaos and they got mm-hmm. to go up against Dylan Ward and the dogs. It could be a, a lot of vented frustration coming out from some of those shooters. Uh, there is no doubt about that. And let's be honest, like
2: we're hashtag team don't trade Ward. Yeah. But he has been well on the record and it, the, the proof's in the pudding. He's a guy that it kind of takes them a little while to get going from in between box and field. And then you put in this the the wrinkle that these chaos shooters are gonna really wanna put the ball behind them. I know our counterparts uh in the lax uh clash parlay included the over in that game. So that's why I didn't want to take that. I also didn't want to be and look like an idiot when Dylan Ward just walks <laughs> out on the field in his sweatpants, Dude. forgets to drop his MVP uh finals trophy oh wait here we go and then stuffs the chaos uh for a big game and, and makes mr big cat and mr pft excited yeah. but with that being said didn't want to step on their toes so we went in a different avenue but man i'm excited now uh P- you know NLL. it's sad to, you know the season's over it was an unreal season but now i'm really excited to kind of get dialed in here for the PLL season especially now the fact you can sit on your couch Turn on the TV and TSN's covering these games too.
0: So if you want to participate in the parlay, head over to coolbet.com, find that lacrosse tab, make your wagers, and if you find the little special tab for the OTCB parlay, join in, play long. Hopefully, you can win yourself some money. And as we always say, Patty, stay cool.
2: Bet responsibly.
0: All right, a couple more things here before we get out of here. Uh, The big news in Ontario is that the OLA and MSL came to some sort of agreement, I guess you could say. Uh, They're here going to play a four team season Peterborough, Six Nations, Brooklyn, and Coburg. That means Brampton's out, Owen Sound's out, and earlier last week, Oakville decided they just weren't going to play. So. It is going to be a shortened season, a jam-packed schedule and only four teams. Now I'm sure the teams at west aren't too thrilled about this. But is what it is and it looks like we're going to get a man cup.
2: And that's the important thing and I totally understand the perspective from the west. Like selfishly here for me, it could have been a two man league. It could have been just hey Peter Bro or hey Six Nations. You yeah. guys are just walking to the manor. Uh, selfishly, I just want to see a man cup finally be awarded. But I get it; that's not fair. The w- WLA has their shit together. They're going to be battling. They're they're already putting their bodies on the line. And then now it's only a four team league where everyone gets in. It just doesn't seem right to me, and I I understand the frustrations of you folks out west. But with a bigger picture, I just think something needed to be done. I don't think it would be right for a Brampton team this year to to have an Owen Sound team and a Brampton. It just didn't make sense. I understand Jamie Dowick's frustrations and why he decided to take his team out this year. So it sucks. It's not ideal. But you know what's less ideal is not having a man cup
0: yeah so. absolutely the, the only thing that i didn't see in that release and i haven't seen anywhere and we kind of talked about it last week is what the heck happens to all those players that
2: i i, I wish
0: i had the answer for you I have no idea <laughs> so i know a lot of
2: oakville i know a lot of oakville players that that they were disbanded they're yeah. playing senior b like a yeah. lot of the we'll guys. Lot to of-
0: the next on that he's gonna play for the muskies in senior b and i'm sure there's other guys that are either gonna play for the oakville senior b team or go to the fnla or go to the quebec league or Some other senior B teams. So I think, yeah, senior B teams are going to start to see a bit of an influx of players. But, like, tell me I'm wrong. Like, is this Peterborough Six Nations just walking to the finals out east? Like, can Brooklyn or Coburg give them a run?
2: I tell you, man. Well, first off, it's I think everyone just assumed it's Peterborough and yes, Peterborough had two young goalies dressed, so it's it's tough to say and Six Nations did win, but Six Nations roster looks great. Once everyone's back from Peterborough, they'll be great too. Yeah. Brooklyn, man, I don't know like maybe because it's a four-man league and they maybe they get hot at the right time. I don't think so, but like Tyson Williams has been absolutely lighting it up in these games yeah. that I don't know. Do they count? Because <laughs> I, I don't know if they count or not. Know. But he had nine points the other night uh, yeah. against Colbert. Like, and that's the thing. And I mentioned it on Lax Class, and I'll say it here as well. The real losers, if this entire thing, you know, would have been squashed and there wouldn't have been an MSL season, the losers are the the Dyson Williams. Yeah, the young Kyle kids just getting in the young kids are just getting a taste or even those fringe players that have been battling all season long in the NLL to get a regular spot Mm. for them to not be able to play ball this summer or play half a season in senior B or whatever it may be. It's not, it's not fair to them. No, it really isn't fair to them. So I'm glad they're able to figure it out. Um, It's not ideal, but Hey, we get a man cup and that is going to be special.
0: Even more so along the Dyson One lines, the, the kids that are draftable this year that haven't played a lot of box over the last few years for us to finally have a chance for these GMs to see these young kids play to see, you know, where is this guy going to fall in the draft? Because, you know, if you remember the draft we did last year, we were like, we haven't seen these kids play in two and a half years. Right. So uh, it's, it's awesome that they're gonna going to get games. Hopefully it's a competitive season then we'll see how the chips fall at the end of the day. Uh, So the man cup will be held in the East. Uh, It was announced last week that Brampton will host the Minto cup. Uh, It was also realized that Brampton is hosting the founders cup. (laughs) Unfortunately, uh, (laughs) Brampton was eliminated from junior B playoff contention, but they get an auto bid to the founders. So they're going to have to wait essentially two months to play a meaningful game. Uh, Brampton junior is probably not making it to the Minto. So, be a a tough look for, for Brampton lacrosse, but they are hosting the two big junior national championships. And we will look in on the founders now as the eye heads are rolling into the postseason. Patty.
2: Yes, we are. And it's a, it's a rematch from 2019. Um, The battle of Durham 2.0 taking on the Gales. It's going to be a great series. Uh, We're fired up for it. I'm sure. Uh, the guys down the 401 and Green are fired up for it as well. So should be a good series. We'll we'll give you an update next week. Game one tonight on Thursday uh, in Clarington slash Bowmanville, I guess, and then on Saturday night back here in Pickering. So next time we have this conversation, we'll we'll let you know where we stand uh, after uh, a couple of games. How about so you? It How's it going? Three or five. It's three of five. Three, three of five. five. How about how about you guys? Is is the Shammy's wagon still
0: rolling or what? Uh, The street continues. Oh, wow. Uh, As we talked about last week, we were down seven guys because of the Denver tournament. We called up a bunch of kids from the teams in our area on Saturday. We beat Burnaby 12-3. We go to Maple Ridge the next day. We had four kids called up from, or five kids from the Surrey Rebels Junior B Tier 2 team. Uh, They actually all played really well, but man, were we in a dogfight. Down 3-1 one after one, up 7-5 after two. They scored two goals within the first minute of the third to tie it, and then we just start trading goals. Back and forth, back and forth. We're up two, they tie it. They, we're up one, they tie it. We get to 11-9, no, they scored with a minute and a half left. Go six on five, find a way to get a lane, tie it with 30 seconds left. We go to overtime. We score first. They come back. They score again. We take the lead 13 12. They call timeout, go six on five again in overtime. <laughs> we cause a turnover. Our oh, captain God. picks up the ball, running down the floor, eyes wide because he sees the open net from center. And what's he do, Pat? No, he doesn't. He shoots it. And what's he do, Pat? off him. the crossbar oh they get the ball they come down eight seconds left take a shot goes wide thankfully and we hold on to win
2: sweet merciful Christ
0: it was one of the most stressful games I have ever had coaching
2: oh that's uh, I might my, my ticker is pumping out of my chest just you telling me this story
0: so we uh so the streak still lives we're still at the top uh again we're recording this wednesday uh so we play nanaimo tonight up there uh a win goes a long way securing first overall in the playoffs um so we are still on the path for the founders cup uh august 15th to 21st in brampton in years past it's been a team from bc a team from alberta saskatchewan manitoba ontario the Quebec league and the first nations league. I don't know how they're doing it this year. Um, Again, as we mentioned, Brampton is already in, so it'll be interesting to see how many teams they take to the founders this year. Yeah.
2: I assume we'll get, you know, two from Ontario with Brampton, then whoever wins the Ontario, you mentioned at BC, the Rocky mountain league will have three representatives from, from each of those provinces, usually Quebec, will in the last couple of years, at least they send their top junior C team, which is usually North shore. So I'm, I'm, I mean, I have like like, you think we would know by now uh, which teams are going, but uh alas, Hey, uh hopefully we can be there. Hopefully you yeah. guys will be there. If not, if the I heads aren't there, I reluctantly will go mosey on to Memorial and and check things out. It'll make me very sad. I'll bring you a Shamrocks hoodie. Okay, no, that's it. I heads are going to the we're going to the founders. <laughs> I'm not letting that happen.
0: <laughs> all right, man. Uh, good luck to you tomorrow night. Um, against the Gales and all the way through the playoffs. But thanks to Zed Williams, thanks to John Abbott, and thanks to our fans as always for listening. Uh, what has been an absolute phenomenal 2022 National Across League season. We will go heavy summer ball and PLL over the next few weeks, but don't forget protected rosters next week. Expansion draft in two weeks. We've got awards coming out. We've got the entry draft, maybe a hall of fame, who knows, but there's still lots of NLL talk vote, even though we are on the road to the Canadian national championship season. He is Pat Greggy. Find him on Twitter at Pete I'm at Teddy Jenner. the show at OTCB underscore podcast. So you can find us on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other.